All right, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 22, 1 through 14. Today's message is called, Many are called, but few are chosen. Come on, say that with me. Many are called, but few are chosen. Wonderful. Thank you. I think you're going to enjoy today's message. It actually goes in line with uh, last week's message about running the race. Uh, I was watching some interesting videos this week. One of them I'm going to play for you, and I got this idea of the message. I think you guys are going to love it. It's going to be really creative. But let's read the message out of the Bible, and then I'm going to talk to you about being called and then being chosen. If you're in Matthew chapter 22, can you say, I'm there? Amen. Amen. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man was there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. The word invited simply means called. Here you see in this context, Jesus is going to tell them a parable, and he's going to use an everyday example. The example is going to a wedding. Now, we've all been a part of weddings, and we know the honor that it is to be invited to those weddings. We know that the bride wants the guests to be there. And how rude it is, especially women, you can understand this, when you invite somebody to come and they put on their checklist, they're going to come, but then they don't show up. You know that you've already bought in the plates. You know that you've prepared the banquet for them, and yet they don't come. You're stuck with the bill, and not only that, it was very rude. And so Jesus is taking that culture, and he's saying, hey, you guys, imagine this. You're having a wedding. You know that your friends are going to come because they told you they're going to come. But when you start the wedding, and the way they did it is they would invite those people in the town square. They would do them outdoors, and they would say, hey, it started now, and they would go out and get them. Those people don't come. And Jesus says, imagine how that would feel. Then he says, imagine if the people that are uh, in, you know, invited and don't come begin to abuse the people who are telling them to come. So let's say you started your wedding. You know Aunt Mima's not there. You send little Cousin Flacco to go get Aunt Mima. You know Cousin Flacco shows up and says, hey, the wedding started. And, and uh, Aunt Mima, don't talk to me like that. Get out of here. Imagine that. You're like, this is crazy. Hello? Come on. Now, Jesus says, these guys don't even come. Then they abuse the uh, the ones inviting them with the invitation. So Jesus says, you know what? They don't want the food to go to waste. Hey, they want to still have a wedding. So they just go out to the streets, and they invite everybody. Hey, you want to come to a wedding? It's free food, and you're going to have fun. It's going to have a DJ there. You're going to have a little conga line. You're going to have a good time. 
And Jesus says, here they all come. But yet there's one person there who's not dressed for the wedding. He just took it a little bit too lax. He, just, he came in his pajamas, and it's almost like disrespectful for him not to have wore his wedding clothes. I mean, you're invited. You can come, but you just got to come appropriately. And so Jesus says that the guy asks him, hey, how come you're not dressed right? Then the man is speechless, and now pay attention here because it gets very severe. It's not like, hey, man, just, uh, okay, you come back next time when you meet the dress code. No, it says tie him hand and foot and throw him outside in the darkness. So we're going to tie this guy up now. See, what you realize is Jesus goes from the natural to the spiritual just that quick. And he says he's going to be tied up, and when he goes out into darkness, he's going to start gnashing his teeth. Now, what's going on here? What I believe is this is a sign of the gospel being preached. And what does Jesus do? He sends out his preachers, and he goes first to the people of Israel. They said they wanted to come. They received the Ten Commandments, the invitation. And they said, we're your chosen people. We're the children of Abraham. But they didn't listen to Jesus. And as a matter of fact, they killed the prophets and crucified him. Hello? And then so what is Jesus saying to this now? Not only are the Jews going to be invited, but now all the Gentiles get to come. Come on, somebody say amen. That means if you're not of Jewish birth, you have an invitation to salvation. And now we have a saying, and it kind of goes like this, come as you are. How many have heard that, come as you are? But that's not true in the Bible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to boop, pop little religious bubbles today. Yes, you can come in the sense of God will love you as a sinner, but no, you can't come just any old way, my friends, because this person comes, but they're not dressed right, and they're put out. Now, you know me today wearing a South Pole shirt and blue jeans that we're obviously not going to talk about a dress code in the church today, amen? We're not talking about that type of dress. The illustration is dressed with the clothes of righteousness, now, you might say, Pastor, well, nobody's righteous. Isn't that the point of the Bible? Nobody's righteous. So how can I come if I'm unrighteous to be made righteous and I have to come righteous? It doesn't make sense. Well, here's how it works. When you're invited, you change. Jesus says, come to the wedding. And he says, come in righteousness. And you say, no, I'm not righteous. And then he says, well, here's a change of clothes. How many have ever not had a set of clothes and somebody lent you the clothes? Come on. Only a few of you. Come on. More of you. Yeah, you know what it's like. How many have ever been somewhere and you stained your clothes and you're like, oh, come on, let me borrow a shirt. You see, what Jesus is teaching here is not that he only accepts perfect people, but he's saying you're invited. Everybody's invited, but you've got to come on my terms. And right at the end, he makes a stunning declaration for many are invited or called but few are chosen. Now, where does this come from? This idea of many are invited, but few are chosen. Would you have understood this living in that day some 2,000 years ago? I believe you would have, because this was the term that they used in the Roman military. Be all you can be in the... See, you know the term today. It would be like Jesus saying, be all you can be. When he was saying many are invited but few are chosen, what he was referring to was the Roman custom of recruiting for their armies. What he was saying is nobody is forced to come into the army because the Romans would go out from town to town and they would wait for the young men to come out. Now these young men 
had waited all of their young adult life, most of them were 17 to 18 years old, waiting for these Roman soldiers to come to their town. When they sounded the call, they knew that they were going to be tested in leaping, running, wrestling, carrying burdens, fencing, and throwing javelins, all in the sweat, the mud, and the dirt of that day. And so when those Roman soldiers came to that town and they made a call, everybody's an invited young man to come. They knew that only only few would be chosen. And as those young men would go out, they would train them and test them. And just for them to get something to eat, they would have to swim across a river. They would say, there's your lunch for the day. And they would have to swim across a river. After these young men would hear the call and they had practiced and, and trained all of their young adult life, then they would begin to be called out by name to serve in the Roman military. And this serving in the Roman military was the highest privilege for these young men. Especially if they were not born into nobility, they had no way to obtain wealth except for just little stores or little agricultural businesses. This way of becoming a soldier, they would see the whole world, they would get a monthly pay, and that their family would have benefits if something were to happen to them. And yet, those who were not chosen would be sent home sad. Now I want to ask you a question today. Do you hear God inviting you to be saved and to be in his army? Do you hear Jesus saying to you, come on, join my army? You might have heard his call through a preacher saying, be born again. You might have heard it through your friend inviting you to church. Do you hear the call? If you hear the call, that's wonderful, and I'm glad that you're here. But now I want to ask you the question, are you chosen? You see, or are you going to sit on your holy backside and not do anything for Jesus? You see, you might say, well, we're all Christians, Pastor. Yeah, that's true. But not all of us are chosen here to do great things for God because some of us just don't care. Some people here today may look to others and be jealous and say, why do they get to do great things for God? Why is their family blessed? Why is God doing that? Because they're chosen. And then all of a sudden somebody here might say, well, doesn't God love us all the same? Wouldn't that be unfair of God? My friends, listen to me. He loves us all the same, but he favors us all differently according to our actions. I want to say that again. He loves us the same, but he favors us differently according to our actions. How many know you may have three children in your family, and they're all your children, even though at times you may not want them to be your children, but they're all your children nonetheless. Amen? But how many know if you've sent them all to do something and the one that doesn't, he's not going to get what the other two do get because of their their faithfulness to do what you've asked? You see, you love them the same. You say, yes, I love you, Bobby, Jimmy, and Mikey. I love you guys all the same. But because, Bobby, you didn't do the assignment, you, you didn't do your homework, you didn't do the cleaning of the room, I'm not going to give you the same benefit that I'm giving these two other children. Are they children? Yes. Are they loved? Yes. But is there now a distinguishment among calling and being chosen? Absolutely. They're all called to the dinner table that night. Amen. They all get to eat something, but not everyone may be chosen to go to McDonald's for ice cream afterwards. And is God any different, my friends? Absolutely not. God's not any different. God is looking at us as his children once we're born again. And he says, now do you want to be chosen? Do you want to be chosen to have a godly family? And you have to say, yes, Lord. I want to work at this. God, I want to practice at this. Then God says, I'm going to give you a godly family. You just don't sit on your holy hindquarters and just say, give me a holy family, God. Come on. I deserve it. I'm called. No, God says you need to be chosen. 
Show me by praying with your family before your meals. Start there. Show me by doing devotions and I'll bless your family. It's the same thing with finances. God, come on, you need to bless me with more money. Pay no attention to how I've already wasted it this last five years on my TV and new car. But now, God, just give me more. God says no. But God looks at the person who's giving saying, Lord, bless me to be a blessing. And God begins to bless them. And then the person says, why is it working out for me? Why? Because you're called but not chosen. Because the other person is working hard at being a giver. The other person is looking over their finances, always asking God first, God, what do you want me to give back to you? Many are called, but few are chosen. I want by the end of the day you to be chosen. Now, I can't make you be chosen. I can make the call come out from this church. Come on, come on. You want to serve Jesus? Come on. I can give out the call, but only you decide if you're chosen. Amen? So I'm going to play a video today that really struck me, and this is of our Navy SEALs. These guys are the best of the best. And so since we don't live in the day of the Roman Empire, thank you, could you just shut that light for me? I want you to see what our boys have to do to be chosen to be the best. Amen? Please play that for me, Andrew. The United States Navy SEAL platoons project power far beyond their small 16-man size. The success of their mission doesn't just rely on weapons or technology, but on the specialized training of the individual SEAL operator. They come from all walks of life, from all across the American landscape. Most have some measure of athletic ability. Over a third have college degrees. They all share a common goal, to become a member of the most elite team in the world, the United States Navy SEALs. Each year, 600 to 800 young men attempt the Basic Underwater Demolition SEAL Training, or BUDS, at the Naval Special Warfare Center in Coronado, California. But only one-third complete the rigorous 25-week transition from sailor to SEAL. Let's go, let's go. This is the story of one such group. Class 224. You get treated like the absolute lowest form on earth, and you really got to find it within yourself to say, you know, I know I can do it. I know I can finish it. I know I can do anything they throw at me. Uh, that's where it builds character. You find out if you got it in yourself, uh, if you can just block everything out and just focus on that brass ring, you know, getting through the six months of hell. First phase is really the phase that's going to separate the men from boys. These guys come here and really don't know what to expect, so um, we're going to push them. We're going to push them hard to see what they have. And the guys that want to be here, no matter what we do or say, they want to be a seal, they're going to be a seal. That's, that's all there is to it. Physically, Buzz is a real butt kicker. Just having the mental fortitude of not only trying to get through the PT sessions, but also getting through the lack of sleep, having instructors on your back, being hurt all the time. All those things start start taking a play in it during the day, and it's uh, just having the idea of there's nothing that's going to stop me from finishing this training or finishing this evolution. That's getting through it. I believe that uh, Buzz builds teamwork and character by uh, weeding out the weak, bringing the strong together to survive the training. I don't think any one man can make it alone through Buzz. You gotta move, you gotta be fast. You gotta be safe. You can really hurt yourself. We got a lot of 
Christian is first phase is pretty high. Clay's phase um, is a really fast paced phase. And these guys are constantly moving and grooving every second of every day except when they're eating. So um, the guys, when they hear about field training, they're like, well, all you have to do is run, all you have to do is milk horse, or anything like that. It's not really that big a deal. But once you start putting everything together and the days are endless, that's when a guy decides that this really isn't for me. I'm not, I don't want to be wet, I don't want to be cold. Uh, this pace right here is not for me. That's what's going to happen when they leave here. They go to field training. The, the pace is just like that. It never ends. Just about everything at Buzz is it, it's a time evolution or it's a, it's a race. Uh, to build camaraderie with the guys, they, they take their boats and they'll race out through the surf zone. Sometimes the boats will flip over on them because the surf gets so big. It's quite an experience to be paddling in a rubber boat and facing an eight-foot wall of water coming at you. It's going to destroy you and you send you tumbling around. And there's almost like a washing machine effect in the water. Amen. We're looking for if you want to watch the rest of this, you can find it uh, on YouTube. But I got a question when I see that. Why is it these men will go through all of that to fight for an earthly war, but I can't get Christians up on Sunday morning? Come on. Why is it there's people today that are going to hell for eternity, and I can hardly get a church sometime to read their Bible, to come to an extra prayer meeting? And yet these men find it an honor and they beg to get into this program and they work with everything they have just to get accepted. You see, my friends, that's what Jesus was talking about. He was saying, if you think Christianity is going to be your grandma's religion, you're just going to show up here and get a freebie in. You misunderstood the whole thing. He said, many are called, that's true, but few are chosen. You see, I want to ask you a question. You want to be chosen today. Do you want God to use your life? Stop taking Christianity like a joke. Some of you, you take it so lackadaisical. This is not a game. Your eternal soul depends on this, friends. The eternity, the eternal souls of other people depend on this. Do you want Jesus Christ to choose you? You know, God is looking at your heart today. He's seeing, are you serious about this? Are you willing to leave your friends and family behind? Are you willing to leave your bad habits behind? Are you willing to hate the things He hates? Love the things He loves? That's what it takes, my friends. There is a real devil out there, and he will destroy you. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's here to do. And if you're not careful, he'll destroy your family. He'll destroy your self-image and bring depression. He'll destroy your life, my friends. You are in a battle whether you know it or not. You are in a battle. So my my thing to you is it's time to join the army of the Lord, to live up to what he called you to be, and put a whooping on the devil and to say to the Lord, here I am, choose me. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. I want us to be a militant church, amen? Come on, don't get afraid of that. I'm not talking about strapping bombs on ourselves. I said I want us to be a militant church. I'm glad that there's women who love the Lord, but I want to tell you what, men, we should set the example of men of God. We should set the example that this is a macho religion, that this is not a, you know, just a you know, walk in the roses. This is our God who sent David to slaughter a Goliath, to slaughter a giant. This is our God who's coming on a white horse to conquer the nations. Amen? And all the women said amen. Because women, you know you love the Rocky Balboa in us. That You know you love the Rambo in us. Come on. 
You don't want a limp-wristed man. Women, you want a man's man. You want a mighty man, not a mighty mouse. Right? You want a mighty man, not a mighty mouse. You want a man who's going to fight for you, who's going to protect you, who's going to guard your family. Praise the Lord. Come on, look at Matthew 11, verse 12. Praise God. we got some testosterone up in this meeting today. Come on, it's time, man. I mean, I grew up in a church where God was always looked at as the gentle giant. He's always the softy. Jesus is not like that, my friends. Jesus uses military language. And that doesn't mean we go out there and start having holy crusades. But Jesus knows that you are going to have to conquer and cut off the head of the enemy to win. That's how David cut off. That's how David destroyed the giant. He cut off his head. Lifted it up to the rest of the people and struck terror in their heart. Look what I did to your man. I'm coming after you next. That's how we have to put it into the devil's heart. I want Marilyn Manson to be afraid of me. Hallelujah. I want him to walk the other side of the street. When I go to Mardi Gras and we see all these street kids out there, I want them to say, these guys got the real boom, but we can put away our Ouija boards. Amen. I remember one time I was street preaching just like this, and one of these street kids, they call themselves gutter punks. I was preaching just like this, and this guy got so full of the devil, he said, I'm going to kill you, and he started running towards me. And I had a brother right next to me, and he said, stop in Jesus' name. And the moment he said that, you could tell his face just changed just like that. And then he put away, put down his head and went away like a little puppy with his tail between his legs. Come on, I've seen God cast out demons. I've seen God heal the sick. Our God is a mighty God. And my friends, I know the end of the book. We win. Hallelujah. And therefore, since you know you win, live your life like a conqueror. How about live your life like more than a conqueror? Amen. Take back what the devil stole from you. Take back what he stole from your neighbor. Amen. If they don't want it back, you take it back. Praise God. Let's show this world that Christians are mighty men and women of God. Praise the Lord. Matthew eleven twelve. If you're there, say I'm there. Now, uh, Andrew, put it in the Amplified Version as I prepare to read it in the NIV because I want you to see the Greek behind it and all of the adjectives that are used to describe what you're in right now. You are in warfare. Somebody say warfare. You're not just in a religion. You're in a fight for your soul and for others. Matthew eleven twelve. This is what Jesus says. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. We don't ask the devil for permission. We forcefully advance his kingdom. It's been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay a hold of it. Come on. You want this thing? Get forceful. You want to break an addiction in your life? Get forceful with that addiction. Call it out by name. I rebuke smoking. I rebuke drinking in Jesus' name. Stomp on it. You know, do whatever you have to do to set yourself to be a forceful person. Come on, look at verse 12. This is the Amplified. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force. As a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Come on, how many know when those Navy SEALs lit up that jungle, that was some intense exertion? <laughs> Sit down. If you are in that jungle, come out with your hands up. We're going to tear this thing down. I'm talking about the devil getting out of our high schools. I'm talking about him coming with his hands up, gangbangers falling on their knees in Prosser High School, saying, Jesus, save me. 
I'm talking about us living the life of conquerors. That's what Jesus said. Jesus did not give us a knitting example. He did not give us a home and garden sweet story. He gave us a military example. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. He said to them exactly what they needed to hear. Hey, I'm calling you to a wedding feast, but you better come here correct, because if you don't come right, I'm tying you hand and foot and putting you out in darkness, and you're going to gnash your teeth with so much pain of regret. That's what our God is saying. How many want to be soldiers for the Lord? Say amen. Number one, you need to hear the calling. Go with me to Matthew 10, 34. That was the introduction. How many ready for the message? Praise the Lord. Number one, you've got to hear his calling. Matthew 10, 34. Jesus is calling you. Here's what he said in Matthew 10, 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against the father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Why is he saying I came to bring a sword? Because he is saying you're going to fight against the devil. And it may cause division in your family. It may cause division in your life. And some of the mother-in-laws might need to be divided from. Oh, help me, Jesus. But I don't know why of all the people. He said mother-in-laws. Praise the Lord. Somebody got a word. Anywho, moving right along. Well, stay happy with my wife. Amen. You know I love you, Boother, and my mother-in-law. I love her so much. <laughs> so what is he saying? The sword will cut off the extra fat. Boom, cut it off. You got friends in your life? God's going to cut it off. You got issues in your life? God's going to cut it off. Why? Because he didn't come to make peace with the devil. That's what he's talking about. He's peace among men, between us. But he didn't come to make peace with the devil. He didn't come to make peace with wickedness, with sin. He wants it cut off. And if it's in your family, you've got to cut it off. Now, I'm not talking about married couples getting divorces. God gives you another command to work it out and to really stick with it. And we're not teaching children to run away from their homes. But the example of a man against his father, a daughter against her mother. What that's talking about is if your mommy does not want to go to heaven, young people, you go to heaven without her, okay? Don't go to hell for mommy. Get cut off from that thinking. If grandma don't want to go, don't go to hell with grandma. Trust me, she won't be there with you. You won't be with your friends. The Bible says hell is a bottomless pit. You're always falling. It's pitch black. You see nothing. It's a lake of fire, so you're drowning while you're falling in fire, so you're continually being consumed. And you have a resurrected body for only destruction where worms crawl in and out of you and you gnash your teeth. That's hell, my friend, and nobody's worth going there for. Woo! Come on, who wants to go to heaven? I still believe in a heaven. Amen? Number two, you've got to hear the call. Number one, number two, desire to be a soldier of Jesus. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. You've got to want this thing. Those teenagers didn't just show up, you know what I'm saying, with their pants hanging down, cigarette out their mouth. All right, Roman centurion, let's give it our best shot. No, man, these guys were training. This is all they had. They didn't have Nintendo. They didn't have the Wii. They didn't have PS3. They didn't have Call of Duty. My friend, they lived it right in front of themselves. They were busting each other with javelins in the face. Hello? You don't just like, hey, I think I'm just going to play COD4 today. You know, come on, Modern War. No, man, you stepped out on that thing right to your face. What you got, son? It wasn't no playing around. It was, you know, we look at now like UFC, like, ooh, that's so bad. Man, that was just like average. 
Blood all over the floor. People getting their teeth knocked out. And then getting up going, come on, give it to me again. Why? Because a Roman soldier was the highest level they could achieve. That was it for them. And Jesus is saying, do you want to be my soldier? Why are you going to quit because somebody gets you upset in the church? Man, don't quit for them. Why are you going to quit because one day you make a mistake? Don't quit. Why are you going to quit because one day you fall into temptation and the devil slaps you? Man, slap him back. Pimp slap him back. Amen? Cock your hand all the way back and pimp slap him. Come on. Pray, pray in tongues for an hour and go, Shika, boom, but devil, take that today. I'm going to drop every demon you send here. Body slam. Breaking necks. Do WWF on them. And some of y'all know I'm being exaggerated, but it's real, isn't it? You know when you make a mistake, the devil wants you to quit. You know when things are going wrong in your life, you want to quit. But man, when you just fight through it, you feel the victory, don't you? When you put on that praise and worship music and you say, I'm going to praise them anyhow. When you go and repent to the one you have offended and say, man, just forgive me. Man, it feels like you're so strong again. Why? Because you're, you're, you're doing the work out of God. You're getting ready for God's calling on your life. Amen? Second Timothy 2, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says, Endure hardships with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Come on, you're going to go through something, my friends. I'm not preaching to you a yellow brick road of Christianity. I'm telling you, you will go through things. It is the truth. But you know what? Endure it. It's worth it. You're fighting for a heavenly prize. You're fighting for your children's sake. I was talking to some young people uh, last week, and I was saying, no matter who quits, you don't quit. Think of your children to come. Do you want to tell them that when you were in a youth group, you quit because somebody else did? Do you want to tell them that you were in college and you quit? No. You want to be 30, 40 years old, raising your kids, saying, when I was your age, I didn't quit. I'm tired of people always saying, when I was your age, I was dumb, stupid, set myself on fire. Can we get somebody to say, when I was your age, I lived for Jesus? Can we get somebody to say, when I was your age, I actually did something right? Come on. It starts now. Think of your future. Think of being grandparents. Even the young people, think of you being a grandparent and you set the example to your grandchildren. I've lived for God. Grandma's lived for God. We need to set a godly legacy. Too many people have just thought about themselves, you know. Oh, free love and sex and all that in the 60s. They never thought about abortion coming up 10 years later. Now 50 million children dying in abortion clinics. You see, my friends, how you live now will affect other people. And how you live on your job will affect other people. If you're a part of that dishonest system, then you're just a part of them. And, you, and you'll be uh, judged with them for their evil and their sin. But if you stand out like Daniel did in his job and you pray and you're righteous, God will promote you. And you'll be known as a godly person at IBM, Pepper, or wherever you work. Amen? I don't care how bad they act. Be a soldier. You are a soldier. Tell yourself that when they make fun of you. Tell yourself that when you're losing some kickback on your taxes because you're not going to lie. I'm a soldier. I can take it in Jesus' name. Woo! Come on. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army. Y'all looking at me crazy. We were in a black church right now. It would be over. Wigs would be flying everywhere. Jackets would be coming off. We'd be stomping all over this place. Oh, Lord, help me. 
Come on, first or second Timothy, keep reading verse three. It says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse four, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Come on, put yourself in this position. You do not see that Navy SEAL just like drop the log and go, hey, man, I'm going to go over here, hang out, watch a movie. It's like, oh my, could you even imagine the stupidity of what that would be? I'm just going to go over here and get something to drink real quick. You all hold on to that, okay? Hello. But we as Christians, we'll get involved in the devil stuff all the time. We'll be fighting, and then the devil will be gossiping, people will be gossiping, and we'll set down our sword and go become a gossiper with everybody else. We'll be living holy, we'll see somebody else cheating, and then we'll be tempted to go cheat. Come on, fellas, we'll be looking at the computer, and all of a sudden we're looking at the junk on the Internet. Young people, you're at school, you're living for God, and then all of a sudden a cute boy or girl walks by, and you're lusting just like everybody else. You're a soldier. Remember that you're a soldier. Don't compromise your fight against the devil. Do not get involved in civilian affairs. Why? Because you want to you please your commanding officer. God is watching. You know what? When I became a pastor, I became very aware of this because people started watching. And I remembered, man, I can't do what I used to do in Bible college because now people are looking at me. And you know the way I look at it? This is honestly because I see a picture of you right now. When I'm at home all by myself looking at the computer, you know what I see standing behind me is this whole congregation. And if I begin to get into Internet sin and pornography, you know what? I'm sinning against all of you here because I'm letting down my guard. And you're looking to me to lead you into battle. Now think about yourself the same way. Fathers, you got children looking up to you. Teenagers, you got your friends next to you. They're counting on you to fight for Jesus. Come on, young adults, you're going through this together. People are watching you. You do not want to fail them. And then who else is to say you don't want to fail? You don't want to fail your commanding officer. I was watching Band of Brothers, which is a movie about, you know, World War II and these men from Easy Company. And here they are, and they're in these foxholes, and they're taking these hits, man. They're enduring hell on earth, man. It's just war as hell, right? I mean, they're just going through all this. I can only imagine watching the, the TV show just rocks my imagination. I couldn't even imagine this. And here the commander, he's told, march your men into this city. Now go. And this yellow belly commander starts seeing fire going by him. And he tells all of his guys, hit the deck and cover. And all that he has done is now given position for the um, army to set mortar fire on him. So while these guys stop, these, these Germans start zeroing in their, their mortar fire. And they start blowing up our guys. And you can see the lieutenant way behind telling the sergeant, get up and run. You have to run. Otherwise, you're easy targets. And this man just freezes and he locks up. And I thought to myself, how many pastors are afraid to run with their, their church? They just freeze up. And they think it's easier. Oh, we're just going to catch cover right here. But you don't understand. You are a sitting duck where you are. If you don't keep moving forward with Jesus, if I don't keep pushing you forward, if I don't stay on your prayer life, if we don't have a vision that moves you forward, you are a sitting target for the devil, my friends. You have got to run. You may hear bullets whizzing by you. You may see somebody catch one in the leg. Pick them up and keep running, soldier, because we're called to take the hill. Come on, somebody. We're going to take the hill. You think standing still, ducking behind, I just watched this. They're ducking, they're thinking, they're helping out. And all of a sudden, 
the mortar start hitting him, and that guy's screaming, run! You have to run! And that's what it takes, my friends. You see, you've got to endure it, and you've got to do it to please your commanding officer, because if you fail, you're going to fail others. And lastly, go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. You've got some armor to put on. Amen? How many love hearing about the armor of God? As we're talking about this, Andrew, please find a uh, picture on the uh, Google search engine, Army of God, and put it up there so they can see it. Ephesians 10, or rather, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, tells you how to get ready for battle. Okay? You've got to hear the calling. Man, is God calling? Yeah, I can hear him. And number two, you've got to want to be a soldier. I hear the calling, and I'm coming out. Now, number three, get geared up. It's time to fight. You're not just going to show up the way you are. The Roman soldiers, man, they got some equipment. These, these boys right here, man, they got equipment on. You're not going to war just the way you are. You need to come dressed right. Oh, come on. I'm bringing it back to the remember. Remember the first part? He wasn't dressed right. This, the, the idea is you got to come appropriate. And now that was for a wedding. Now you're going to a battle. Think of it the same way, though. i got to come dressed right. Now look at Ephesians 6, verse 10 as he's finding that picture, because I want you to get an idea of it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Is it your strength you're relying on, friends? Am I sitting up here going, hey, look how strong Joe is. Hey, I'm strong. Hello, am I doing that? Am I saying, you're so strong, yes you are. Just look at yourself. You're just a muscular person. Am I talking with a lift, talking about how strong you are? No, I'm not trying to, to, to like, you know, this old Saturday Night Live cartoon, uh, you know, uh, character, you know, everybody loves me. You're looking at the mirror convincing yourself. No, my friends, you're strong in the Lord. I am weak, but he is strong. I am weak, but he is strong. See, that's what you're saying. I'm strong in God. Find me one where it says the armor of the Lord, brother. Put armor of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Who's got the power? I'm going to say, who's got the power? You all say, Jesus. Who's got the power? Who's got the power? That's right. Come on. Put on, verse 11, the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's going to scheme against you. He's going to have plans to take you out. You've got to take your stand and get the full armor on. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So you all see where the battle is. It's a spiritual battle against demons and spiritual principalities. They affect your mind. They will affect your family. You'll be at times at peace with your family. I felt it as a young person. Mom and dad were doing good. On our way to church, and all of a sudden the devil starts messing with me. And I start acting up. I remember one time leaving, the most angry I ever got my, my dad, when he took off his jacket and said, All right, come on, put him up. You want to be a man. <laughs> that one time he actually wanted to just knock me out. We had come home from church, and I called the pastor as many names other than a curse word as I could call. Because I knew cursing was just going to, I was just going to get beat. But I was just, he is such a fool. He is such an idiot. And my dad, he just couldn't take, he got out the car, he took off his jacket, and he said, now put him up. And I was like 14 years old, and I ran through the door of our kitchen. But I want to tell you something. Who was messing with me that day? It was the devil. He was putting in my head, come on, provoke your dad. Provoke your dad. And see, families, you've got to be aware of that. When you're living for God, the devil's going to find the weakest link 
Maybe a, a stepchild, he's going to start messing with it. Maybe it's a daughter or something that's older and they're not serving the Lord since you've been serving the Lord. Maybe it's going to be one of your children's friends. Or maybe you've just become a Christian and now you're single. The devil's going to try to bring you into a relationship with another person. And you're not supposed to be in a relationship. You're single. Hello, maybe you're married, uh, guys. And the devil's going to try to bring conflict between you and your wife. Listen to me. He's a smart devil. He's been at it for a long time. But always remember, that's your battle. So you're not going to fight people. You're going to fight the devil. Amen? And here's what that soldier looks like. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. Now look at verse 13 as we talk, or verse 14, as we talk about the armor. Here it is. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Somebody say the sword of the Spirit. Amen. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's your weapon. Amen. The Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints because you're in a battle with other people. We're covering each other's back. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, Words may be given me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Come on. Somebody say, get it on. Amen. Here you have this soldier representing the Roman warrior. And now Paul is making application. He says the helmet is salvation. So everybody touch your head and say, I'm going to wear salvation in my mind. See, that means when the devil attacks you and he says, God's not real, you say, yes, he is. When the devil attacks you and he says, you're not saved, yes, I am, the Bible says I am. When the devil attacks you and says, you've got to go back to your past, no, I don't. You protect your head. What's the most important part other than your heart? It's your head. And if you don't have a brain, you can have a heart and be on a machine, so you need your brain, right? So what are you doing? You're putting on salvation right here. I'm saved. I am what the Bible says I am. I can do what it says I can do. You know, I'm living according to this word. All things in uh, all, old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. You guard yourself with salvation. It's a precious gift. Guard yourself. You need it. If you find yourself being attacked in your mind, all those thoughts, God's not real. The Bible's not real. I'm not really saved. I don't need to be radical. All those lies you bring to the word of God and wrap it around yourself like salvation. I mean like a helmet. And it's called salvation. Somebody say salvation. Amen. Thank you. Then you go here next to the breastplate of righteousness. Going right over. Put your hand over your heart and say righteousness is in my heart. You see, you're protecting yourself in the front and in the back with righteousness. What is righteousness? You're doing the right things. You might say, Pastor, every now and then I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. What do you know what to do when you do that? Repent because that's a righteous thing to do. So how am I righteous today? Are you perfect, Joe? No, I'm righteous because Jesus is righteous. The Bible actually says that he clothes me in his righteousness. He clothes you in his righteousness. So as you put on that helmet of salvation, guarding your mind, guarding your thoughts, you need to put on righteousness and say, I'm always going to choose to do what's right. I'm always going to choose to make my wrongs right if I mess up. I'm going to choose 
righteousness over wickedness. You do that, you're protected. The devil tries to shoot arrows at your life. He tries to shoot temptation. You won't give in to it. Why? Because you're righteous. Let's say you take off your righteousness and he gets a temptation arrow in you. What do you do? You repent. God takes it out of you, puts it back on. Now you're cleansed. Get up and fight, soldier. Fight temptation. Amen? The next thing that the Bible says is the belt of truth. Now, we know what a belt does, gentlemen. Amen? Women don't use them as much as men, but men, we need those belts to hold up our pants every now and then, right? Well, the Bible is giving you the illustration that it's the belt of truth. What holds up that, that, that breastplate? What holds that holder for your sword? What holds all of that? Truth. Truth. What holds your life together? Truth. The truth is God is real. The truth is the devil's a liar. Amen? So every time he talks, he talks his own language, the Bible says. The truth is you're going to make it. That's what will hold your life together. Tell yourself that I'm going to make it. Everybody say it. I'm going to make it. Truth will hold your life together. Truth says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Truth says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's the truth. The truth says that he's with you even in the valley of the shadow of death. Some may say the truth. The truth holds all things together like a belt. Then we go next here to the shield of faith. Somebody say faith. What goes before your life? See, if I have a shield right here, before you even get to the righteousness, before you get to me, you get to this right here. What stops all these things before they come? Faith. Faith. I believe. I believe God is with me. I believe God won't leave me. I believe that there's a heaven, so I'm going to stay faithful so I can be rewarded. I believe my children will be saved. I believe my life will change. I believe today is a new day, and I'll never go back to yesterday. You see, you have to put out faith in front of the devil and say, I believe that God is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith will extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. you got to believe. Some may say, I believe. Amen. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Everywhere you go, you have shoes on, right? Unless you walk barefoot. But everywhere they would go in the war, they would have on those shoes. And you know what we're saying is everywhere we go, we're bringing the gospel. Everywhere I step, I'm telling somebody else about Jesus. Everywhere I step, I'm telling somebody else the good news. And that good news will bring peace. You know what will bring peace to the Middle East? The gospel of Jesus. All they got to do is repent and tear down Mecca and it's all good. Come on. You know what will bring peace to our city? Is gangbangers repent and accept Jesus. You might say, well, that's a little lofty, Pastor. I don't know if I can believe that. Well, hello, friends. I believe God created this world out of nothing. I believe he could save a gangbanger or two. Come on. If I believe God hung that light bulb in the sky called the, uh, the moon and the stars and the sun, if I believe God hung that universe up there, God can save the Latin kings. So everywhere you go, you're bringing peace. We're not trotting down our enemies and bringing anger and hurt. We're bringing the gospel of peace. Somebody say, peace. Come on, touch your shoes and go, peace. Peace. Then the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. How many are ready to fight the devil? You take out that word and you just cut the devil into pieces. You tell the devil, I am healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ. You tell the devil, me and my family shall be saved. You tell the devil, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the first and I'm not the last. You tell the devil that you are more than a conqueror. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. That is what you hold in your hand. And then you preach it to others. Somebody comes telling you some mess like, oh, the economy, this, the economy, that. You tell them God said we shall receive what we give. And I'm blessed. 
Yes. And you cut off, you cut poverty down in Jesus' name. Young people, when you're in college and people want you to act like you're stupid, cut down that ignorance and say, I have the mind of Christ. Would you stand on your feet with me today? How many want to be soldiers for Jesus? How many know if God is looking down at this place right now, he's seeing some soldiers? Amen. How many want to be chosen though? How many feel that God's choosing you right now? Ben, would you come on up? I want to encourage you today to hear the call, to want to be a soldier, and put on the armor of God. And at the closing of this message, as Paul was closing out, he said, you know what? Pray at all times. Prayer is what holds that soldier together. How does he get his battle strategy from the Lord? How do I know how to hear from the Lord unless I pray? How do I have the Word of God unless I pray the Word of God? You can read it, but it's a whole other thing to hide it in your heart. I challenge you this week to make time for prayer. To begin to get alone with God and to declare your life to be His. And to begin to say, Lord, I'm going to do this. There was a drug rehab, uh, Corey, down in New Orleans. It was called Jesus Miracle Power. Some of these guys met Mama Janice. She's crazy for the Lord, isn't she? Excuse me. I would bring some of our homeless guys there. And she would make her homeless guys say this every single morning. I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, the blessed breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. She would train her people to pray that every day. Maybe some of you need to do that. You feel like you're being defeated right now? Pray that for a week. Watch what happens. You're going to experience some victory. I want to challenge you to believe what the Bible says, even when sometimes you're suffering, even when sometimes you don't believe it. I want you to believe with me that we're soldiers. And here's the good news. When you heard the Navy SEAL say, we got to find strength within ourselves. That's the only way we make it, strength within ourselves. Our God starts off that verse about fighting. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It doesn't come from you. The way of the kingdom is to actually admit your weakness. So if right now you're, you're kind of like, man, you know, I'm excited, Pastor, but I don't know if I'm ready to just run out there right now. I feel kind of like a, a baby in pampers with a switch running after a bear. Okay. All right. You don't feel like you got the power. That was an old Southern saying, by the way. <laughs> you, you don't feel like you're ready to go out there yet. Okay. Well, you know what you do is that little baby in those little pampers with your little switch? Is you come back to Pawpaw. Jesus, and you say, Lord, I'm not strong. I'm a little baby compared to these big old bears. Raise me up, Lord. Train me. Help me to trust you. When you look at these mighty men like David, David didn't come out there and say, hey, man, I've been, I've been lifting weights. I can take you on, Goliath. No, he said, Goliath, you come here with spear and javelin, but I come in the power of the Lord. That's how he did it. If you want to be a great soldier for God, you've got to admit that you're nothing without him. And he'll help you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for victory. Because you purchased it for us on the cross. It was a price that none of us could pay. But God, you purchased it for us. And now, Lord, you said that anybody who calls on your name will be saved. If you're in this room right now and you haven't accepted Christ as a Savior, do so right now as I'm praying. Simply just raise up your hands, confess your sins, and declare Him to be the Lord of your life and say, Jesus, I want to fight for you. As I continue to pray, Lord, I'm asking now for the Christians that are in this place. God, they've already been called. 
They've accepted you. Now, Lord, I pray that every one of them become chosen. God, you know how to look into people's hearts. Search our hearts. Would you just pray that with me, Christians, right now? Just say, Jesus, search my heart. Come on, is there any compromises? Are you getting involved in worldly affairs? As a Christian, do you need to repent so you can fight for the Lord and please Him and not let people down? Come on, search our hearts, oh God. Search our hearts. And now, Lord, I pray as we are here as your children that, God, you arm us for battle. You said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent will take it by force. God, I pray for passion in this place to live for you. God, I pray for more passion than Navy SEALs have. God, I pray you'll raise up from the elders to the deacon to everybody here, God, passionate warriors for you. In the name of Jesus. Some of you right now, you need to war for your family. Why don't you pray right now in the house of God? We'll pray with you. Come on, some of you just need to claim your family for the Lord right now. God, I pray for families to come to you. I pray, I pray for wayward children to come home. God, I pray for husbands and wives to both live for you. Jesus, I pray for mothers and fathers to get saved because of young people's testimony. Them walking with the gospel of peace home today. Them bringing the gospel into their house today. Come on, young people. Pray for your moms and dads. Come on, husbands. Pray for your wives. Wives, pray for your husbands if they're not serving the Lord. Come on, we're going to pray for a few more minutes. I'm going to war with you. I'm going to teach you how to do it. Jesus, you said that God, us, and our families would be saved. You said, Father God, that if we call upon You, You will hear us. You said if we'll humble ourselves and pray, You will forgive our sins. God, forgive the sins of our family members. God, You said that if we throw seed on the good ground, it will grow a harvest. We pray for You to prepare their hearts for the message. Pray, God, for my sister. I pray for my uncles, God. I war for them today. Come on, now let's start praying for the community we live in. Come on, God, I want a calling on my life to change this world. Come on, pray for your business, your job. Pray that you'll be a soldier at school, young people. Come on, put on the armor of God. Stand in the strength of the Lord today and fight a battle with Him. Jesus, we pray for high schools to get saved. We pray for our young people to make a difference in this world that they'll grow up and be leaders. We pray, God, for the co-workers to be saved based on testimonies of their Christian co-workers, God. God, I pray for neighbors to get saved. Oh, Jesus, use us. Use us, Lord. Use us, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. In closing today, would you just hold one another's hands? And you know today, it's not the end. It's only the beginning. Don't think to yourself, this is the battle. This is just the boot camp. The battle happens when you walk out these doors. Hallelujah. Jesus. I'm going to ask our radical, demon-slaying, giant-killing youth pastor Adolfo to come up here. And I'm just going to have him pray for you a radical warrior prayer today. 
that you'll go out if you're fighting. You'll go out if you're fighting like a soldier of God. Come on, don't let me be the only one. Come on, every radical, tongue-talking Christian in this place, start speaking in tongues. Father God, I call upon an army, Lord. I call upon an army, God. And I ask that they rise. That they rise for the nation. That they rise for the country, Lord. That they rise, Lord, Father God. An army of the Lord. I pray for the army. Oh, don't you dare stop in this place. You keep on crying out. Father, I pray for an army to rise, to march, to march, Lord Father. I pray that we carry our sword, Father. That we, that we don't just stop, that we don't second guess, but they we rush into the battlefield, oh God. That we have our sword bloody, Father God. The Lord, Father, we're laying down the demons, Lord Father, the demon of depression, the demon of pornography, the demon of lust, the demon of divorce, the demon of lies, and then we go after our family, and then we snatch them out the fire, and then we never give up, that we never give up, that we never give up, because we are soldiers, and we know that we have the end result, and that it's victory, God, that is through you, Lord, and we love you, God, we love you, Jesus. And we stand on the rock of our salvation, saying today and forever, I have the victory, Jesus. Voice of triumph, we lift your name up. We lift your name. Come on, let's shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Come on up to the front, soldiers. All the soldiers, come on up. God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We Come lift on. your name up. Shout, Shout out to God, God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God with the voice of praise. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. Come on, jump with somebody. Jump with somebody. Dance and hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make our praise. Come on